is not the answer Never was, never will We will never live in peace unless and until We learn to love each other Not bomb, maim and kill Cause war is not the answer Never was and never will Hello, my name is Julie Estime with Massachusetts Peace Action, and you're listening to Peace Zone. Peace Zone is a series featuring a wide variety of expert speakers who all want the same thing, peace. We'll do our best to keep you up to date with the most pressing issues of injustice. This week's episode comes from the Building Sustainable Security Conference that happened November 21st. This segment features Chung Wa Hong, the Executive Director of Grassroots International. Chung Wa Ha Hong spoke on the movement building in the global context. Um, next up is Chung Wa Hong. She is executive director of Grassroots International and for a number of years before that was executive director of the New York Immigration Coalition, where she grew the membership into one of the largest, the nation's largest immigration rights groups. Uh, <clears throat> she played a crucial role in promoting immigration reform and was named by New York Magazine as one of the most influential people in politics. She has a long and varied record of activism on peace, healthcare, labor, and human rights issues. Chang Wa Hong. Good afternoon. Are you kind of drowsy after lunch? I'm glad we started with the song. Um, I am uh, so happy to be here at this conference. I, I cannot think of a more um, timely theme uh, 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 today um, to, to talk about than um, sustainable security. Um, I'm very humbled to be speaking in front of so many veterans, uh, veteran activists, and literally veterans who we heard from today. Um, uh, I'm very hopeful um, that a lot of the intersections made today will really energize our movement. Um, before I start, I'd like to thank Cole for all the this hard work. I can't uh, thank you so much. Um, just, just everything from just thinking so thoroughly through the themes and the speakers down to the parking permit um, at midnight. So um, thank you so much for that. And I want to do a, a quick shout out um, to two women who have also um, uh, uh, contributed greatly to the work of Grassroots International um, uh, by serving on the board for eight years each. Hayat Imam, do you want to just raise your hand? Yay, Hayat. And um, Catherine Hoffman here. Catherine, there she is. Um, so two warrior women who have uh, kept grassroots into, uh, kept uh, grassroots as a progressive, amazing um, funder and an international solidarity organization. So Grassroots International is um, a group that accompanies social movements. Uh, especially social movements in the global south that work for food, water, and land rights, um, as well as human rights and climate justice. So our partners are in Mesoamerica, Brazil, Haiti, Palestine, West Africa, um, just so you have a sense of where we are. Um, we basically raise money from progressive donors here in the U.S. and ship it directly to support the organizing work of these um, social movements. 
Um, in short, um, we fund the solutions, we fund the fighters. So I hope those of you who are interested will talk to me about that. Um, I was asked to address movement building, um, and in particular, um, uh, talk about movement building uh, 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 and what we can learn about movement building in the global context. Um, using some of the um, immigrant and global uh, examples. I'm going to talk about two examples. My first example is a woman named Berta Caceres from Honduras. Um, she is, she, I met her in the summer when I went to visit Central America, and I was just so inspired and encouraged that there are leaders like Berta um, uh, working in the front lines. She's a leader of the indigenous community called the Lenca people in Honduras. And she, um, with her community, waged a, um, an amazing grassroots campaign that successfully kicked out uh, the world's largest dam builder. Um, and if the dam had gone uh, into effect, um, it would have submerged uh, thousands of indigenous people and have separated them from their sacred indigenous ancestral lands. Um, it would have um, created all sorts of environmental havoc uh, because um, uh, this dam, like many other dams uh, that are being built, um, uh, are uh, to to facilitate uh, mining, um, producing a lot of um, you know poisoning the river um, and the areas in Honduras, uh, particularly after the 2009 coup uh, that happened uh, with U.S. support, I might add. Um, uh, the right-wing government that came into power uh, made it a priority to pull in mining industries, forestry, agribusiness, hydroelectric dams, to the point where about a third of the entire country is now given out in mining concessions. So we need to look at this as, you know, where is the cutting edge of the extractive economy that we're talking about that is destroying the earth? Um, this, uh, uh, this is where the cutting edge is. Um, so they're going to build this dam with uh, complete cooperation uh, from the government um, without any consultation with the, the native people um, as required by international law. Um, so they brought in all their bulldozers and machinery and uh, Berta organized her community and literally uh, blocked the path to the river with their bodies. They had set up a 24-7 um, monitoring um, so that everybody in the community would take shifts um, to, to prevent uh, the, the dam construction from happening. And so um, it was an intense fight. Uh, the government unleashed its military forces and the corporation, um, uh, uh, it's very easy to hire thugs and private security forces. Um, uh, and so they were up against the, the activists who are trying to protect the river. And I might add, this dam project, um, it's great to say it's this dam project. <laughs> it's, uh, um, but that's what it is. Um, was um, uh, notably, 
financed with millions of dollars uh, by the World Bank's private um, uh, private sector arm. Um, uh, so here we see a conflation of a lot of things coming together. Um, but that didn't stop um, Berta and her community from uh, fighting against this dam. Um, unfortunately, in the process, some of the community people were shot and killed, um, including a 15-year-old teenager um, who they suspect uh, was tortured and killed. Um, uh, but, the, but the good thing is after organizing um, her communities, um, the dam decided to pull out. The dam company decided to pull out, yes. Um, and then um, the World Bank, the financing uh, people decided to pull out as well because of all the human rights uh, uh, bad reputation that they were getting. Um, but it's important to keep in mind, um, I learned a lot of lessons from this story and from Berta, and I think um, I wanted to uh, share them with you. Um, one is her clear analysis. This wasn't just about stopping a dam. She said, we must, this is um, her quote, when she won the Goldman Prize um, for environmental activism, she just won that this year. Um, she said, we must shake our conscience free of rapacious capitalism, racism, and patriarchy that will only assure our self-destruction. Um, she introduces herself as part of the Lenka people uh, who come from the earth, from water, from corn. Um, so from her, I learned that we, it is past time, the days during which we had one movement for the environment, another movement for people's survival, and another movement for peace are over. Um, her people are attached to her land. Um, uh, so protecting Mother Earth is the same as protecting uh, frontline communities. Um, and they're the peacemakers. Um, uh, so um, just learning that lesson was really powerful for me. Um, also, her organization and other groups um, that we support um, have a powerful um, vision uh, that is an uh, alternative to this overconsumption uh, growth economy, and they call it Buen Vivir. It's a philosophy and outlook um, that describes a new relationship uh, between people among themselves and people with nature. Um, it's, it's being in harmonious relationship, and it's living well, um, not living to the maximum consumption. Um, and the way that they do, these social movements do their work, uh, bring together um, various elements of what makes a vibrant movement. So they have a very strong sustainable livelihoods program through uh, actual farming practices, agroecology, food sovereignty. Um, they do movement building to organize their members. Um, and then at the same time, they restore the planet. Um, she also taught us we cannot depoliticize these struggles. Um, the fight for climate justice or the environment is not separate from fighting against the U.S. backing a dictator who is pulling off military coups. They go together. Um, we cannot separate the financiers of the extractive economy um, from the environmental activism because the World Bank and the extractive economy go together. Um, and then I'll close with um, uh, uh, final words uh, with her example. Um, 
where she said, let us come together and remain hopeful as we care for the earth. So she has um, uh, uh, also taught us the lesson of um, uh, the importance of cultivating hope. Um, that hope is not a feeling or a sentiment. It comes from the process of actively dismantling the destructive and building a movement um, uh, based on real community um, community action. Um, I want to also um, talk about an example from my immigrant rights organizing. Um, one of the, um, which I think is also relevant um, in the global context, um, with the immigrant rights movement, I want to talk about how important it was for me to kind of, I did immigrant rights organizing and advocacy for about 20 years. And during that time, um, I saw the, uh, the evolution of how we saw ourselves as immigrants, who we are, and what we demanded, and how the movement went from asking for benefits during the 90s when the welfare reform was being passed, asking for equal benefits. Um, and then it went on to asking for civil rights and due process after 9-11. Um, and then we're well on our way into um, a broader vision of demanding immigrant justice. And I think that's a transformation that uh, was very powerful for me as the movement went through different phases. So for example, um, when we were having immigrant rights rallies um, uh, in the beginning, in the 90s or right after 9-11, a lot of immigrants came out with placards that says, we are not criminals, right? Because we were called criminals. And in the morning session, people also talked about how um, uh, people are criminalized. Because before you get attacked, you get criminalized and demonized. And then that's how it gets easy to attack you. Um, and so the dreamers um, took that on and first uh, came out and said, do you remember these signs? It says, undocumented, unafraid, unapologetic. Um, so they established who they were um, and how they felt about it. And after that, because they were unafraid, they unleashed a whole set of direct action, um, sit-ins, die-ins, um, getting arrested. Um, and as part of that process, created a, a really um, uh, uh, galvanizing campaign that ended with education, not deportation. Um, and so I think um, one of the, one of the um, uh, one of the limitations um, that I think the immigrant rights movement has, despite all of those excellent campaigns, um, is that it has not adequately made the global connection uh, into looking at what are the root causes of global migration. So that's something that I look forward to um, continuing to work with immigrant communities about. So those are just some of the um, movement building um, uh, lessons and insights I wanted to share with you. Um, and if you want to engage in further participatory discussions on those topics, um, Hayat and I have a, uh, a workshop in the afternoon uh, with the same title. So we would welcome um, uh, further dialogue. Thank you. Thank you, Chung-Wa, for featuring in the ninth segment of Building Sustainable Security. For more information about upcoming events, visit www.masspeaceaction.org. Thanks for listening and have a great rest of your day.